Welcome back to PLR, Providence Leftist Radio, where we seek to unite a network of leftists in the area so that we can one day win local power. I am Evan, and you know what that means. This is a movie episode. Yes, but I am joined by Alex Van Helsing, a resident horror nerd, to help me with this episode. Uh, which is going to be all about vampire movies. Um, I think vampire movies something that most of us have seen at least a little bit. Um, you know, whether it's like a big mainstream blockbuster hit kind of thing or one of the more obscure vampire movies. But if you um, haven't seen Blade, you fucking up. That's true. I can confirm that. Um, let me just, two words, blood rave. Anyway, um, we have spent a lot of time just in the, over the course of our relationship, we've watched a lot of horror movies together, but we've spent a lot of time recently going deeper specifically into vampire movies because Alex pointed out, um, the metaphor that is actually used by Marx himself. Um, what text was that in? Marx uses a metaphor of vampire in uh, actually a lot of texts. So he uses it in Capital. He uses it in the Grundris again. And he uses it also in my favorite piece, which is the 18th Brumaire of Louis Napoleon. Um, I have the quotes if you'd like me to read them. Yeah, I, I would. Okay. Remember, kids, I don't read. The The... The quote in Mark in uh, Capital is pretty self-explanatory. It says, Capital is dead labor, which vampire-like lives only by sucking living labor, and lives the more, the more labor it sucks. Okay, so let's break that down. Um, We are looking... The comparison here is um, between vampires and bosses, the bourgeoisie, people who are in charge of the workers literally sucking the life force out of you via your labor that's the that's the common way i mean that's the orthodox marx marxist way of of uh studying these things uh there there's another way i mean there have been some scholars that have written about ways to interpret how marx uses the vampire metaphor um and you know they all basically are saying the same thing that there is this this binary between labor and capital capitalists um, some people take this quote and they they break it down to say that um, capital is dead labor and so they they focus more on the idea that well if capital is dead labor then living labor must be workers that uh you know this is where the vampire aspect of it comes from that in that case in order to live the vampire aka the capitalist must suck life from uh the living laborer does that make sense mm-hmm. um you have more quotes yeah there's also i mean so the the metaphor itself is is sort of it's in it's repeated in the same one. Um, I'll give you the quote from the Grunris too, because I think it's along similar lines. Um, it says the bourgeois order, which at the beginning of the century set the state to stand guard over the newly arisen small holding and manured it with laurels, has become a vampire that sucks out its blood and marrow and throws them into the alchemistic cauldron of capital. So it. In this, in this metaphor, he's actually talking about uh, land. In the Grunris, he's talking about how capitalists can suck uh, resources as well as labor from land, mm-hmm. kind of chew it up and spit it back out into nothing, right? So you think of fossil fuels, maybe. Let's think of that. We extract fossil fuels from the ground. Mm-hmm. We consume them, and we spit them back out as carbon into the atmosphere that, mm-hmm. that becomes dead. Right. Mm-hmm. The carbon, in a sense, comes dead. But I thought it's interesting, you know, historically speaking, Marx is writing about vampires in the uh, 1860s. But 
the the image of the vampire is older than Marx, of course. Marx isn't the first one to write it. Um, Alexei Tolstoy in Russia had, uh, wrote two stories uh, in the 1830s, uh, The Family of the Vampire and Bloodsuckers, I think is the name of the other one. And there's other like small stories from Eastern Europe that come out about um, these bloodsuckers. And essentially most of them, most of the early ones before Bram Stoker's uh, Dracula movie are women, which I think sets us up. So now we have both the vampire as, um, as capital, as a, as a bourgeois person, and then we also have the vampire as a woman. So we're starting to see how the vampire itself isn't just the monster of horror lore, but it's also meant to depict something or represent something in even this 19th century world. Yeah, I mean, vampires, or like conceptually, maybe they aren't called vampires across the board, but these kind of um, creatures exist in lore across cultures um wait i mean for for a long time they're they're ancient stories you know they've got like traits similar traits that we can kind of ascribe to them like um cold you know they're cold bodies uh they might have some special kind of powers of some kind uh mind control kind of stuff um they're night night people of the night creatures of the night don't go out in the daytime unless you're blade uh, again watch blade uh yeah the mirror thing is another one uh but what what movie was it where i mean to speak to the point that like vamp the the idea of a vampire of a bloodsucker isn't just european i think it was twilight where mm-hmm. uh they they had this person from south america that was like uh supposed to be do you remember that in the last scene where they i think it was brazil so edward took what's her name bella to uh, brazil and then they rode out to that island where the lady who was essentially their house servant uh knew that edward was a vampire suspected Mm -hmm. him of being a vampire but then at the end of the series there's like this weird scene where um this indigenous half vampire this brazilian well he's not brazilian but he's indigenous of the region that is brazil uh comes out and he's just like out of nowhere he's like i am half vampire too right right he was the precedent for the what they needed to find uh to save a current day situation but uh yeah so these stories go back for a long time you know to before the time of movies but there have been vampire movies for years and years and years and years and years decades um i watched one the other night i don't know so if it's with a y is it is it pronounced vampire 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 okay so yeah this was um a German language film from 1932. Uh, so that was that was old as hell and contained a lot of the same themes. So you can kind of across the board, you can look at a ton of different vampire things, or even if you just like sit down and off the top of your head try to figure out stuff about vampires. It's like, yeah, okay, they suck blood. They're pale, can't hang in the daylight. Um, some of them can turn into bats, or they're like associated with bats, or sometimes wolves. Uh, what else do we got? They, so, yeah, they they transform, right? That the point, I guess, being that vampires are not uh, vampires are not exclusively a European thing, but in popular culture, they have become such a cinematic uh, creature because of euro-american focused films and so in in the night in the 19 well actually even before 1930 in the 1920s i believe it's the 20s you had nosferatu first which is the the term itself is referring to the europe one of the european believe german terms for vampire um, that is stretching back to vampiric lore and then as you said in 19 in the 1930s you have um the first 
that I know of Hollywood kind of uh, classical cinema depiction of Dracula, and that's just called Dracula. That's 1931, I believe. And then there's the the German film that you just mentioned, uh, Vampire, which comes out. But there's no mistake that as film is kind of becoming a thing, as movies are becoming uh, popular, and people are seeking to make a profit off of movies, the vampire is kind of the first major monster to to really make the the big screen and i think that that has to do with what we're talking about here which is that whether it's uh, a bougie white guy that lives alone in a castle mm-hmm. or it's um uh uh what else is there bougie white people that live alone in a mansion and play piano as in the <laughs> hunger and they do gay things together with other people, or you know, whoever it is, it's always it's always that other. And the vampire, I think, the image of the vampire is just so easy for us to be afraid of. I mean, it's pretty freaky if you think about it, right? Like the undead. There, that like. I mean, I guess you can kill a vampire, you know that by now about the stakes, but uh, but just the thought of somebody coming back and so there's actually not that same kind of finality or like that safe feeling of finality is gone. Um, and also I think it's a big deal that vampires sort of like live among humans in a lot of these stories. So sometimes they're hidden away in their mansions or whatever, but sometimes they're, yeah, just like out blending in with the human race. Um, and they're undetectable by most people unless you're paying extra close attention. Like that's pretty freaky to think about that like somebody can just get you at any moment. Get you. Get you, get you, get yeah. you. Yeah, um, and particularly uh, the story of Dracula uh Bram Stoker's original Dracula and then but also the film Bram Stoker's Dracula which uh to my mind is probably the closest thing to the to the book in terms of depiction but um the point being there that that's the classic depiction of of a bourgeois vampire right he's like this guy that lives in a castle he's been there for years he used to be an aristocrat actually the whole beginning of the film sets up this uh image of of him as a as a ancient hungarian warrior uh and then it shows him walking through the streets of london and stuff like that and his like he's dressed to the nines and like his get up and his elton john glasses oh my god gary oldman's glasses is that him yeah gary Gary oldman's glasses are so cool in that movie this whole outfit is so cool in that movie yeah i'm jealous of it but he so this is something that we talked about too while we were watching the the most common depictions of vampires as middle-aged white uh uh middle-class men right is that it kind of because their victims tend to be women all the time their first victims in all of these films in which the vampire is a a white middle-aged middle-income man the first victim is always a woman first of all that's the case also in in Bram Stoker's original story and it might to, to my mind the fact that that was there in the 19th century kind of speaks to the place of women as susceptible as uh, deviant as prone to um, what's the word adultery because that's the that's the that's the reason why they fall for the vampire, right? Is because they're tempted by, tempted in quotes, tempted by the white guy that's rich, that lives in a castle. And so they commit adultery against uh, their lover, who is usually set up as the, the, uh, the main protagonist of the film. In, in Stoker's story, it's, it's Jonathan. Um, and Jonathan has to like... Keanu Reeves. Yes, it's Keanu Reeves. He has to save uh his wife or to be wife from getting tricked by this rich guy that lives in a castle yeah the vampires are often these kind of charismatic leaders fuck boys if you will the first fuck boys. the very the original fuck suck boys 
Yeah, the original. Yeah, and it's absolutely true because if you think of other early monsters like Frankenstein, he's not a fuck boy. He's just a fuck body. He's just like <laughs> he got that big Franken dick, and like that's oh my it. God, it's all you get for Frankenstein. But with Dracula, you get eternal life. You get to live in a castle. You remember that scene in Bram Stoker's Dracula when uh, Dracula's wives come? And they oh, start yeah. they start like sucking on Keanu Reeves' nipples and stuff. Yeah, so that's that's uh that's part of the original story is the multiple wives. There's actually a movie called The Wives of Dracula I too. I know. It's on my list. And then there's that then there's that part where he like where Dracula comes in, he's like, Get the fuck out of here, right? Because no one is supposed to have his women except for him. So he's like the possessive, controlling, bourgeois white guy that you know, uh, you, he can torture Jonathan. He can have him laid out in his castle for months, just sucking his blood every night and feeding him, I don't know, giblets or whatever the heck he was eating. What is a giblet? I don't know. I made that up. I, I just think of that as like the waste from poultry. Oh, I wouldn't know. That's what, I, it might be giblet, giblet. I don't know. Something like that. But anyway. the <laughs> Niblet is what Spike the vampire from Buffy used to call Dawn. That was his a nickname niblet? for her. Niblet. Isn't that Because he something? nibbles? Spike was... Okay, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Because he nibbles? Is that why? I don't know. Anyway. But so... But so... This, this example of, like, the bougie white guy, I wanted to start with that because that's really, like... Bram Stoker's Dracula really changed the image of... The vampire from being particularly women it used to be in the early 19th century women were vampires because they were the ones that were looked at as sexual deviants and so men primarily men european men were writing about succubi pretty much mm -hmm. but but vampires themselves because they were afraid of i don't know their wife doing something that they didn't want them to do but bram stoker changes the story uh, as well as I think Marx, because when we think of like bougie uh, vampires and the way Marx says it, I think of white dudes. I don't really think of white capitalist women. Uh, I think of a white guy. I think of Dracula and Bram Stoker's Dracula, or the Dracula f or the vampire from Fright Night, the first one, right? The guy with the pop collar and the suave hair. Chris Sarandon. He's got like gold necklace and stuff like that. Those are the people that I think of when I think of the vampire in the classical sense. So let's talk for a minute about other depictions of vampires, um, like throughout pop culture and, and history. We watched, you know, probably close to about 20 different vampire movies, but there are tons. I mean, there are just so many, and there's so many that I'd still like to watch. I'm not going to not watch them just because we are done with recording this episode, but... I mean, from, like, the Count on Sesame Street, I don't know what class he's in, but he's purple. Oh, damn, I forgot about him. Hey, he, why did they call him a Count? He'd just be counting his money. Yeah, he's One, definitely one, a bougie Count. two, three, you know, he's just counting his dollars. Damn, that's a good point. Who is it? What's the name of the dude that created Sesame Street? I his name. Man, I don't know. Uh, no, he's got a famous name. You'd know it if I brought it up. Are you talking about Jim Henson? That's the Muppets. Yeah, but then he he started Sesame Street and Muppets started together, I think, and then they split off. That's a different there. episode. I don't know. You'll have to do anyway. that one. But let's talk about different depictions of vampires. Um, we watched. Well, you mentioned it, so we'll go with The Hunger, uh, starring David Bowie, awesome, Susan Sarandon and Catherine Devenu. Uh, it's a a bit of a love triangle, a little bit of a queer love triangle movie. So that's something different. Um, there's Vamp which is the Grace Jones one. Grace Jones, another queer icon, and blackity black, black, black. Uh, you've got uh, Dracula's Son, which is the one with all the musical stars. Remember that one? Yeah, that one, that one, is, <laughs> that one is definitely a, a stand Dracula Dracula's Son in that film does not suck anybody's blood. He just, there's like one point when he looks at the camera, he's just like... <sighs> and then that's it and then the rest of the movie is like him struggling with the fact that he's immortal but all he wants to do is jam and so it's literally just like every famous musician that you've ever heard of from 
rock in the late 70s just jamming out with Dracula. Son. Dracula's son. Not Dracula. Mm. Maybe he's trying to rebel against his dad. Yeah, that's... that's Is that it? Yeah, that pretty much is what it is. If you think of, like, the hippie generation, right, most of them were... This is my reading of it. If you think of the hippie generation, most of them were from middle-class families in which they were Dracula's son, right? And so let's play rock and roll and do drugs and fucking not suck blood. Cause... Well, and that brings up the point of the vampire as the other. We have noticed this a lot in movies. Um, and when I say the other, I sort of mean just like uh, get going against the status quo, I suppose. But... Uh, and so, I don't know, think about the Lost Boys, where all the vampires were kind of these, like, sorry, that was my dog, uh, like, ratty punks on motorcycles, mm. like, counterculture vampires, you know? Yeah, that that movie is another one of those that, um, again, I just saw it as uh, the, the kids rebelling against their family and what their what their parents had done their parents generation although this one is in the late 80s rather than the 70s but but yeah uh we also watched only lovers left alive it's that's just one of my favorite movies in general it's a jim jarmusch joint um it's very like it's very like indie um a lot of referential humor which i enjoy but may not be suitable for everyone um, it's got Tilda Swinton and oh, Tom Hiddleston. What's his name? Hiddleston. Hiddleston. The guy who plays Loki in the Thor. Oh movies. yeah, Hiddleston. I don't know um, and the late great Anton Yelchin. Um, so it's a modern take on vampires, um, but it sort of also brings up this notion of the ethical vampire, the vampire that doesn't murder humans. And so... Blade is another ethical... Did well, you say Blade? I hadn't said Blade yet. That's like a whole other thing. Yeah. We'll, we'll get there. Um, but yeah, so there are a couple of different representations of the ethical vampire. But I, I do recommend Only Lovers Left Alive. Uh, if for nothing else, I really like the music. But um, what else we got? Blood of the Vampire. Of course, Interview with a Vampire. I'm from Louisiana, so that one was important to New me. Orleans. If you say New Orleans again, <laughs> I'm gonna kill you. That wasn't me. That was, what's his name? He kept saying New Orleans in that movie. <sighs> Man. No one got it right. I blame Janis Joplin. Really? Uh, huh? Really? What did Janis Joplin do? In the song, me and Bobby McGee busted a flat in Baton Rouge waiting for the train feeling near as faded as my jeans and then to rhyme with jeans she says flagged a diesel down, rode it all the way to New Orleans. Uh, all right, yeah. All right, yeah. And, it's Janis Joplin. And now you know that I know all the words to that song. Yes, now we all know. <laughs> um, you've got What We Do in the Shadows, which is both a movie and a series um, from New Zealand, Kiwi Creators, which is so hilarious. I've been really enjoying the show. Um, and that because it's different generations of vampires that you do really get a nice like class analysis going on in there and um, they also really emphasize the role of the familiar the vampire's familiar which is sort of like a bootlegger (laughs) I guess you could say it's like if a vampire is the boss who's uh, exploiting your labor then the familiar is the person who's just like like apologizing for it and he's like it's fine plus they're gonna make me rich one day like it's fine that they treat me like shit constantly but like i'm gonna be a part of it one day yeah fright night had the yes the original fright night the vampire has a a uh, familiar although they don't use i don't think they use that i don't think they use that term and then he's got some kind of unexplained supernatural demise Remember? Oh, yeah, he's like a zombie at the end. He's something something or other. Yeah, Yeah, okay, so there are two Fright Nights. There's the one from the 80s, and then there's a more modern one with Colin Farrell and Tony Collette. Uh, Both of them are good. Yeah, yeah. I do like the older ones. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
Wait, and Anton Yelchin is in that one, too. Oh, my God, double vampire movie. Yeah, there's a, a, quite a bit of crossover. Actually, there's an episode that I just watched of What We Do in the Shadows where they um, there's some cameos that are various vampires. So Tilda Swinton from Only Lovers Left Alive, Evan Rachel Wood, who was in that show True Blood, which, again, is set in Louisiana because vampires in Louisiana is a whole thing. Um, Paul Rubens, also known as Pee Wee Herman, he was in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. Uh-huh. Yes, he was in the movie. Um, Wesley Slipes, Wesley Snipes from Blade, uh, did a did a cameo in a there. Virtual cameo. A virtual cameo. Danny Trejo from um, from Dusk Till Dawn, Machete. which is in Machete. Um, he so from Dusk Till Dawn. If you haven't seen those movies, um kind of quintessential Quentin Tarantino situation. Um, but I actually, I actually enjoy them. And in, in the first one, uh, the vampires are sex workers. They're uh, dancers in a club. Wait, in which one? From Dusk Till Dawn. Oh, all right. Uh, in, in, amongst others. But just, yeah, the, the, the like, uh, club in the middle of nowhere. I think it's called the Titty Twister. <laughs> <laughs> the Twister uh, it is a, a club that's like for vampires, you know. And uh, I think Selma Hayek is like the the main vampire. What year? What what decade is that from? Oh, that's not that old, actually. Let me let me do a clicky clicky. From? There is a, um, I mean, so one of the ways to talk about these films, because 1996. We, all right, uh, that's not that, not that old. But. Oh, sorry, Robert Rodriguez. Quentin Tarantino is in it, but Robert Rodriguez uh, directed it. Oh, and Quentin Tarantino wrote it. Okay, never mind. I wasn't wrong. Mm. One way to, to like try to understand these films because we watch so many of them to like try to systematize them in how they depict vampires is is there's a couple ways right so there's you can refer to the time periods in which they came out and so uh for example vamp hunger um uh uh the first fright night a lot of these movies came out in the 80s so you can try to sort of think about and and they all kind of have the same depictions of vampires right they're all Sexual. That's all I'll say. Oh yes, there's there is an inherent sensuality involved in the '80s vampires, like especially. They're all it's a sexy time. They're all everybody was on cocaine. They're all sexual. Yeah, I mean, uh, the hunger, definitely, um, vamp, which I don't. We that was one of the first that we watched. So I don't like totally recall recall it, but I do remember it takes place in a strip club, doesn't it? Yeah, it takes place in a strip club. Uh, and then Fright Night, like we just said, the the guy is just kind of like suave as hell and, and, and good looking. And they and the cool thing about the new one is that they do play with that a lot. Like with, um, with the, what's his name? Colin, Colin, Colin Farrell, Farrell's. who is hot. Yeah, they play, he his character, who is the vampire, plays with that like sexual aspect of it a lot. There's also, so there's that and there's... Um... That's also in the Lost Boys and Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire Disney movie. There's the whole vampire seducing my mother trope. Yes, I guess seduction. My dad is a my stepdad is a vampire. (laughs) Seduction, I guess, is the right word to like capture all of these, in a sense. Uh, Maybe except for uh, the Lost Boys, which he doesn't necessarily seduce her, but. They do start going on dates. There is love in Lost Boys, but for me, like the, for, like my reading of the Lost Boys is that uh, these are it's it's like the classic '80s punk story, right? Of the kids rebelling against their parents, but they just added the 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 vampire aspect to it. That like your parents who were hippies ignored you as children because you were a mistake, and so now we're gonna grow up and we're gonna be lost boys we all we're a lost generation right gen x is the lost generation uh and we're gonna become vampires and do fuck all and then uh save you at the end of it somehow we'll figure this out it's kind of like goonies right goonies has the same idea the same actors too of like 
kids figuring it out for themselves. That's what it's all about because the parents aren't there. The parents are vampires or they don't really care that much except for the grandfather in Lost Boys. The grandfather who like represents the generation before the boomers, I guess the greatest generation they call it, the World War II generation. He's like, he's been there, you know what I mean? Like at the end, he's like, one thing I hate about this town is all of them damn vampires. And you're supposed to be like, oh shit, grandpa, you knew all along, like goddamn. But uh, yeah, so like those 80s films for me, that's what the vampire is used as the other to depict, like that generational other, that sexual other, or of course, always that class other, because God forbid there's a working class vampire in any Hollywood films. Never happens. Not to my mind, at least. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's just because they live forever, so they have enough time to kind of acquire skills and capital so that by the time we meet them they're they have placed out of the working class or I don't know we haven't seen yes you're right we haven't seen too many vampires that like look like us or represent us in Queen of the Damned which is sort of like an unofficial sequel to Interview with a Vampire because it's Lestat Mm-hmm. Uh, Same writer of the original books. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like a six-part series of like Lestat's life, and oh. and Queen of the Damned is, is one of them, as is Interview with the Vampire. All right, well, Queen of the Damned, I think for most of us who haven't seen it, are like, oh, that's the one with Aaliyah, right? And like, yes, it definitely is. She is the Queen of the Damned, and she rocks. She she does a great job, but um. Her character is actually like pretty minimally featured on screen, and most of it is about not the black woman vampire. It is mostly about the white guy vampire because he is the famous one, and he is uh, the like, what is he? He's like a rock star or something, yeah. some kind of shitty shirtless, pale. So you remember rock at star. the at the end of um, uh, um. With the the first one, interview with a interview with a vampire, the guy's like scared out of his mind. He gets in his car, he like rides away after he just heard the story of Lestat, and then he's like driving, and all of a sudden, Tom Cruise, who plays Lestat in that movie, like stands up in his car. He's like, "I imagine you already know who I am," which is frightening. If Tom Cruise showed up in my house, and like I looked up and it was him, and he's like, "I imagine you already know who I am," I'd be like, "Oh shit." And then he, like, sucks the guy's blood. And then that's supposed to be... While they're, like, on the highway headed to California, I think. So, like... Or they're already in California. I don't know. They're headed somewhere. So that's supposed to be, like... You're supposed to understand that when uh, Queen of the Dam starts, Lestat is a rock hero, and that's how it happened. He, like, took this guy's car and all his shit and, like, went and started his new... New life. This guy being the interviewer, Christian Slater. Yeah. 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 And that's another. So they're, you're supposed to keep it quiet. Like vampires living among humans is supposed to be like this big secret. Uh, and so maybe that's why Lestat went after the interviewer because it was like an easy target because it's like you can't know about it. And only lovers left alive. There's a quite a bit of secrecy involved um one of the characters is implied to be chris marlowe who um historically people have said that uh chris marlowe actually wrote everything that shakespeare got famous for so there's a lot of that kind of reference stuff going on um buffy the vampire slayer there's uh i mean they live in sunnydale which is built on the hellmouth so there's like a lot of demon stuff going on. And so it's like, yeah, there are vampires, but like nobody really talks about it mm. kind of a thing. But still they have to keep it quiet uh, and try to protect the identity of vampires, even though they're everywhere and they're evil, most yeah. of them. Unfortunately, my knowledge of Buffy is not, not that good. I watched a few episodes with you, but like the the arc of the story of all the seasons and Buffy's life, I have no idea about. Uh, I could do a whole episode just on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I 
love Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I know that Joss Whedon is a tool, but no, there's no but. That's it. Buffy the Vampire. Joss Whedon is a tool, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer has been really important to me for my whole life. To to continue on with my theme or my suggestion that like we can kind of study these films by decade. Like Buffy is the 1990s, and so is Blade, right? Mm-hmm. So, or at least the first Blade. Um, and it's also Bram Stoker's Dracula, the uh, Francis Ford Coppola mm-hmm. movie comes out in 1992, which, like, I feel like Francis Ford Coppola was just trying to do an ode to those classic 1920s, 1930s Dracula films um, by by trying to have the a modern Dracula. There's also a Dracula film in the 70s. It's, called, it's just called Dracula. Um, and there's also... Uh, another Nosferatu that comes Mm -hmm. out. The 70s is sort of the decade of the remake of Mm -hmm. those really old ones. You get Dracula, you get Nosferatu comes out, except for the son of Dracula, that fucking weird rock one, (laughs) which I like, I have no idea. That, it was just an excuse for a bunch of musicians to do drugs and pretend to suck blood and be sexual or something like that. Ringo Starr was like, I have an idea. And everyone was like, shut up. Yo, Ringo Starr plays a wizard, which is the weirdest thing because there is no wizard in the Dracula story. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's almost... I'll be the wizard. It's almost like they asked him, they were like... Well, first they asked, like, Paul, and they were like, Paul, you want to be part of this film? And he was like, no, good luck. You you pay me a lot of money to do that. And then they asked Ringo, and he was like, oh, my God, mate, can I be a wizard? And they were like, <laughs> I guess so. I mean, if we don't have to pay you that much money, then fine. All right, if you must. So they just wrote... Ringo's character as the wizard into the into the script. One series we have not talked enough about is Twilight. Mm. We should we should go there because there were four of them. I didn't know there were four. I thought there was one when I suggested it. But uh yeah, there were four and we watched all four of them and we're actually able to kind of like point things out about it. Actually first wanted to just say about Blade and Buffy in the 90s that the vampire story there seems to be a continuation of what we were talking about with the late 80s at least for me it's like with the exception of Blade which as we said he's an ethical vampire he's the first to my knowledge like strong black vampire strong independent black vampire uh, that's on the big screen but, like, between Buffy, between him, again, it's that other being depicted as, like, an independent, badass vampire. Buffy being a woman, Blade being black. Um, except with the, with the exception of, of Francis Ford Coppola's film in the 90s. The 2000s now... Oh, do you want to say something? Well, I was just going to bring up the strength, the physical strength. That's one of the things that vampires tend to always have is like extreme physical strength Mm. and so blade being half vampire himself had that skill he could walk in the day that's why he was the day walker um but he had the super strength so he was an amazing fighter and buffy though she was not a vampire as the slayer which was like an equally supernatural uh entity i guess uh had super strength could be a metaphor for sexual promiscuity of women too she is the slayer she goes around slaying vampires just saying it's one way to see it okay but she's like a teenager man I know but these things still have secret meanings and Buffy was originally a comic book right yes and she was a teenager in the comic book yeah yeah not that teenagers aren't sexual and don't have sex obviously they do but they slaying Definitely <laughs> a weird thing for a grown man to write about the sexuality, the burgeoning sexuality of a teenage girl. Grown men write about the sexuality of other people. Grown white men, let me correct that, write about the sexuality of other people habitually. True. Dracula is an example. I mean, Dracula has been interpreted as, like I said, a, a book about... Uh, female promiscuity in the 19th century well in twilight 
they're as teens they are like it's very sexual very sensual like they're 17 well i mean they're they look 17 <laughs> i guess they're like hundreds of year old hundreds of years old as vampires but uh the main characters bella who's a human at first um is yeah like 17 18 and they're kind of always like quivering around each other and like <laughs> you know like breathing heavy and like they're like smooching and like they want to go further but they can't and so it's kind of I think a lot of the backlash against the books was like this is not appropriate material for, for children but it's like exactly what kids <laughs> want <laughs> to read about you know a little bit of the like harlequin romance but for kids so make it vampire from strictly a horror nerd perspective and I might get a lot of backlash for this. A lot of shock, a lot of awe. Fingers on the cancel button, friends. I think that Twilight actually was great for what it was. Oh, I enjoyed it. No, not not talking about the plot, but if we're talking about the depictions of vampires and what they all and all these tropes about like speed, strength, uh the 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 male male gaze being a major aspect of, of vampires throughout history, of uh, being the other and everything like that. Twilight sort of brought it all together, but in a teen drama. You know what I mean? And, like, the teen drama is the thing that most people are turned off by. Like, oh, fuck, I don't want to watch some story about some little fucking high school shits. But, like, I think that that plot allowed them to incorporate all of those things yeah i mean teenage girls get a bad rap just all the way across the board uh and that's not fair and i would love to support teenage girls so uh i want to i want to give a fist bump to bella which i don't know i brought this up is her name being bella a nod to bella lugosi who was the original dracula yeah the 1931 dracula but I'm going to say that it is because I like drawing connections where connections don't need to be made. you got to think of it from the perspective of the screenwriters and director. Because in my opinion, like, if you're making a vampire movie, whether it's Twilight or Francis Ford Coppola remaking Dracula, there's a whole canon of past films and past stories that you have to soak up to try to, like, bring two fans like not only am I going to bring a love story in the case of Twilight that like non-horror fans can get into but I also have to bring something for the the horror like the the vampire fans to get into the people who watched Buffy and at the end were like man I want more sure well I mean it's still a movie it still is a capitalist scheme it wanted to market to everyone so that they would pay for it that's why there are four friggin' movies uh but yeah there are they do bring in a lot of the tropes we don't see much about like garlic or crosses or anything there is a mirror scene where the vampire absolutely does have a reflection which is goes against what we the common people understand about vampires um but for the most part yeah they've got super strength super speed they can kind of fly um they all have like their own uh, unique special powers too like mind reading or mind control or like electricity or whatever they can they can heal quickly um and they can and then there, there's this like relationship that they have with the uh tribe in the pacific northwest where they're at who and they've got their own thing going on uh with with being wolves spoiler alert uh, Not to be like, confused with the Brazilian tribe that they n- right, connect with. Right, 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 right. Uh, I'm going to try to defend the vampiric omissions of Twilight here. the Like the mirror thing and the garlic not being there. I mean, I'm not attacking it. I know, I know. But I'm going to try to defend it for vampire nerds who are upset that it's not there. And I'm going to do so by saying that Again, if we go back to the depictions and, and what how the vampire has morphed through decades, the 2000s and the 2010s, in my mind, are sort of the Ooh. era of there's Ozzy again, the era of <laughs> the ironic vampire. So this is where you get 
uh, what we do in the shadows, right? The kind of making fun of vampires. Uh, this is where we get Only Lovers Left Alive, this 2013, where, like, um, you know, there, there is a lot of irony to those, to their vampirism. They're not, like, horror, horrific, scary people. They're, like, cool musicians that chill. And, like, the scariest thing that happens is, like, one of the characters gets his blood drained by one of the character's sisters that, uh, you know, got drunk and, and didn't know what she was doing. Uh, you get uh, the the new Fright Night, which, like, doesn't take itself seriously still. So, this sort of 2000s, 2010s, you get the, the ironic vampire in which, like, the at least in my opinion, the writers, the directors are trying to kind of play with and make fun of the vampire in certain ways, in, in like an ironic way, you know, just having fun with, with uh, the sequels of Blade, right? At a certain point, it gets ridiculous. I think there might even be a movie that's like uh, Aliens versus Vampires, or, or there's like one of those kind of films where it's like Vampires versus something, right? Uh, and it this isn't vampires, but you also... What's that film, that British film about zombies? I forget what it's called. Uh, Zombieland? No, that's an American film. There's the other one, I forget, where he's like an office worker and there's a zombie apocalypse. Oh, Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. So you get all these like ironic, goofy monster depictions where like they're only half serious, but, they're, but they are playing with the, the, the monster archetype. Yeah. Right? Uh, and so I think by by that time you sort of there's this establishment that like these characters exist Frankenstein zombies vampires werewolves and we don't have to be so rigidly uh, bound by how they've been depicted or or what their abilities are in the past we can kind of play with it a little bit because now that we've taken them from their serious depiction in the 80s or their serious depiction in the 20s and 30s we've kind of broken that down uh and now we can have fun with the vampire and that's what that's what i think twilight is sort of the culmination of that that like the vampire can be this handsome blood-sucking guy that like i think in the third movie you learn that like he was a civil war general or some shit and you're like oh yeah that's right vampires are supposed to be super old but like it's funny right so they like kind of make fun of that in in certain ways anyway that's my defense of twilight well yeah i mean there's because there are so many and because it's been going on for so long i think you have to change it up and do something fun every once in a while it's like if you play in a band and you've been playing the same songs for you know, years and people expect you to do that, but you're like, oh, I don't want to keep playing this. I want to do something different. So you got to do something a little bit different. Um, have you seen Thirty Days of Night? No. Thirty Days of Night. I don't think so. Uh, is mega creepy. Actually, it's the one that takes place, I guess, in like Alaska or somewhere up there in the rim, mm-hmm. and uh, where it, it does get dark for a super long time actually and so it's like known amongst the citizens of this little area that like you have to stay inside for 30 days because vampires come out and just like go buck wild uh and so it's kind of like a it's kind of like an apocalypse style movie where there's like a band of survivors who have to like work together uh and they sort of get like picked off one by one and then there's like the final people that are left I haven't seen that one. There's also, um, there, yeah, there's also a John Carpenter. Uh, oh, the vampires, yeah. Yeah, the vampires, uh, which is more about the vampire hunters, I think, than mm-hmm. it is about the actual vampires, um, which is another thing that we can talk about, because not only are vampires central to the stories, these depictions of vampires, but so are their hunters, their others, the the uh, morally pure, scientifically minded Van Helsing, right? Like, he's he's the one that's like, I'm going to straighten this girl out, and I'm going to do it by 
killing the monster that has wooed her by killing Dracula. Uh, and he knows all the science, right? So he brings the blood transfusion and all that. He sets up the, the whole, like, um, the whole uh, notion that you kill vampires by the stake in the heart and then chop their head off and that they hate garlic and they hate crosses and yada yada. They're very, like, Christianized, anti-Christian uh, vampire. But uh, vampire hunters are kind of everywhere in these films, too. The John Carpenter one is, like, a gang of vampire hunters that go after this another bougie vampire guy. But um, Fright Night, it's the kids, right? Mm-hmm. The kids go are going after the vampire. Also in... Um, 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 Lost Boys. Lost Boys. Yeah, that's Corey Feldman, man. His kids again. So, I guess a so a long way of saying that the vampire hunters are always supposed to be like the shining white light, the the morally pure, the good guys, right? Uh, and I wonder what it would be, what it means if you apply that basic idea, right? If you strip it, if you strip it of Corey Feldman, and you look at like. As a frame, as a blueprint, what does his character represent? Innocence, youth, uh, uh, moral fortitude, I guess, maybe? Van Helsing. Science, to a certain extent. Science, whether it's like history or whatever. You strip it of that and you look at that and then you think of what does that mean for Marx's metaphor? So in our metaphor, who would be... Man, these dogs just will not stop making noise. Uh, who would be the vampire hunter or vampire slayer? Would that be Antifa? <laughs> that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. So, like, I, I'm. I'm not going to interpret it. I think it would be us, right? It would be like, um, but you know, I could also imagine uh, people on the right thinking that like they're the they're the morally pure ones that are going to save the world from vampirism, when in fact. Uh, it's more likely us, right? The people who are actively fighting the bourgeoisie mm-hmm. or fighting aristocrats or just fighting wealth, capital mm-hmm. itself, which in Marx's metaphor is the vampire in in monetary form, I guess. Now, I'd like to watch... I, we Again, we watched like 20-something movies, but there are just so many to get through. And I would like to watch other depictions. So there's Ganja and Hess, um, and, or The Sweet Blood of Jesus, which are more like black vampires. There's A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, which I think is a Middle Eastern depiction. Um, there, Yeah, there are a bunch that I would like to see and try to kind of interpret them without like that lens of whiteness. The Sweet Blood of Jesus, is that a 90s film? It's Spike Jones. Spike? I mean, Lee, Spike, Spike Lee. Lee, Spike Jones. It's not a music video. <laughs> Spike I, Jones. I would think it would be the 90s, and then in which case it kind of fits into my breakdown of decades. Decade. 2014. Oh, so it's kind of in the... I, maybe, maybe Spike Lee got to Blade 4 and was like, you know what? We need, like, a better black vampire now. There are four Blade movies, too? I think so. I think there's Jesus. a lot of them. Um, we, ha- we haven't watched all of them, obviously. We watched the first one and really liked it and then didn't want to ruin it, so we didn't continue on. They are making a new one, though. Um, but, yeah, I mean, another thing we could talk about is there are a lot of other lenses to to read to that we see vampires in, right? Uh we so with vamp and hunger for example um and a lot of people have written about this uh in gothic literature that vampires can also represent homosexuals uh in the 90s like in the hunger that's what i'm saying in the hunger and vamp in vamp there's some homoeroticism going on there there also is in fright night the first one like the the vampire guy and yeah it's just two dudes living together and no his familiar deal. right they live together and and you know he's a sexual guy so you know maybe he maybe he dabbles maybe he does his thing I mean interview with a vampire two dudes interview with a they vampire. adopt a little girl 
definitely some homoeroticism in there, especially the scene when they're in that like beach house or whatever, and they're like when he turns him into a vampire. I think that's the scene where he turns him into a vampire. Like you have to, you have to suck on the other person in order to become. You have to suck on the vampire in order to become a vampire. So it has like it has homoerotic imagery built into it automatically when you're talking about a male vamp- male quote vampire turning another quote male vampire into into a vampire um, there is no no homo way to do it <laughs> I guess or, or or actually no that's not true um, because lost boys right he just gives them the oh, yeah. he gives them like a, a Nalgene bottle and was like, drink up. That was not even a Nalgene bottle. That <laughs> was like, like a it. fancy, like, silver bottle. It was an 80s Nalgene bottle. Fancy silver shit. Okay. Uh, no, it wasn't silver because you could see through it because. It was he, like glass and silver. Yeah, he was fucking with his mind. And so when you saw it on the thing, it looked Ooh. like wine. Right. And because he was thinking that it was wine. But of course, it wasn't wine. Um, so yeah, there's like the the uh, vampire as homosexual. There's a vampire as non-white, which we actually haven't gotten a lot of, but it's there. It's there in Blade, uh, because not only is Blade a vampire who's who hunts primarily white vampires, but he's also uh, the only daywalker. He's like. The rare one, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, it's easy to make him an other when he's a different, a noticeably different race than everyone else. And even, I mean, ev- obviously everything is centered around whiteness, so that's even why we say st- stuff like non-white because whiteness is the standard. <clears throat> Ozzy, for God's sake, man. He's like, Blade is like the other of the others, in a way, I guess, in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's like... There's a lot of ways to read the vampire myth, the vampire character, what it represents. Um, it's something that I've, I've loved doing. I've written about it myself. Uh, what we haven't talked about is vampires depicted contemporaneously in other cultures. So, like, I've seen a lot of late Soviet horror films, which is, I will say... Uh, the vampire family is probably the only vampire movie that I can think of off the top of my head which the vampires are definitely poor um they're like they're peasants pretty much um but yeah so a lot of ways to read these things uh we have that sort of uh binary that Mark sets up of of the the bourgeois other that still holds true hundred years later, two hundred years later, right? Yeah, the in what we do in the shadows, the kind of main guy says when he's talking about his history that he got driven out of his country by peasants for being too pillagey. Mm. Uh, anarchists know that peasants are the shit. Awesome. Peasants do the shit. Yeah, they're the only ones that really stood up to Stalin, too. Um, who can also maybe be read as a vampire. An undead. Um, yeah, so... I just wanted to ask before we end this, what is your favorite vampire film? I mean, I really like Only Lovers Left Alive. Uh, I liked it. I saw it in theaters when it came out several years ago. I've liked it since then. I think it's very much, and you pointed it out, that it's very much just like my style. It's very me. Uh, just because the kind of references it makes, the kind of humor that it is, and then the kind of focus on the music, which is very much my style of music. Um, I mean, I also, I love Buffy the Vampire. A lot of these just have important uh, they're important to me for various reasons. You know, I like The Hunger because Susan Sarandon is boobs. Uh, and just lesbian vampires in general is a thing that is wonderful. It's not to love about that. Um, and The Lost Boys is one I've seen about a, a jillion times, too. So 
Uh, I don't know if I can necessarily pinpoint one specific favorite other than Only Lovers Left Alive, but I, I guess I would probably have to say that one. What about you? Um. But also, I haven't seen Vampire in Brooklyn yet. That might end up being my favorite. Yeah, I mean, there, I, I still haven't even seen every vampire movie. Uh, it is also a hard choice for me. Um, if I... I, I am a sucker for the classic Dracula story. Um, I like it, but it's well done. Bram Stoker's the Francis Ford Coppola film graphically is well done, uh, but it does still omit a lot f- that is in the book. Uh, even the 1931 Dracula is like, yeah, in the 70s one also pretty good but still changes a lot the the 70s one has the 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 uh ship sailing into the the harbor uh scene down really well which the francis ford coppola one does not which if you haven't read the book that's the best scene from the book uh so if i had to pick one and ride with it i would probably say the original fright night um yeah, it's a little bit surprising, only because uh, I think that not only like when he shows his true vampiric form, is it scary? Like his eyes are all like beaming and shit like that. He's, he's a scary vampire, even though it's supposed to be kind of like a kid's horror movie. And uh, I like that the kids are the vampire hunters, right? Because, you know... Uh, yeah, with help from the TV guy. Yeah, and that's another thing we're talking about. That TV guy is supposed to be a parody of these, like, 70s and even maybe the 30s vampires and the 50s vampires that are kind of like... These are actors, right? These are classic Hollywood actors that, like, if you talk to them about vampires, they don't know shit about vampires. They just act. They're just doing this to get paid. And so that old guy in Fright Night, that's what he represents. He's like, he's just an actor. He do, he plays this character of like a vampire hunter and shit on TV, but when he encounters a real vampire, he's like, I'm just an actor. I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, he really believed it, though. He got it afterward. Like, it took a, it was a lot of resistance, but then he got it. But he was still kind of the most, the biggest coward of the hunters. Um, mm-hmm. The kids were like, the leading the leading vampire hunters in this and fright night is just kind of scary depiction uh, of a vampire it's also super goofy very 80s yeah i love the 80s i love the 80s fair enough well i will post a list of all of the vampire movies uh that we watched as well as some others uh on our instagram and i can get somebody to do it on the twitter too just so that you can uh, follow along with what we were doing, or maybe you just have an interest on your own. Um, We uh, are not experts on this, obviously. It's just an interest, and this follows uh, what I've been talking about on my other episodes about movies with secret radical themes. Uh, I'm going to keep doing these because they're fun for me. So if you have any suggestions, feel free to hit me up at PLRPod on Instagram. I check the messages all the time, got my phone on me all the time, let the government track my ass. And you can uh, tell me what you think about vampire stuff. So thank you, Alex, for joining me. Sorry about all the noises that my dogs were making. Uh, They're trying to get involved animals are also others that's that's the werewolf right yes do you think ozzy's really a werewolf no no sophie is but not ozzy um thanks for having me on uh if you liked what you hear please go to the Patreon patreon page and help us uh by becoming a backer uh for as little as a dollar a month you unlock a bunch of bonus episodes and you can cancel that whenever you want so you could just pay a dollar get all these episodes and then just not pay it the next month don't do that 
you can. I'm just saying. Yeah, but don't. Don't do it, but you can do that. But you could, but don't. Um, and thanks for having me on. I love vampires. All right. Well, I'm going to go to bed and hopefully not have nightmares. Them blood suckers. Mm-hmm. All right.